0: up you guys happy 2023 I want to thank you for listening to another episode of done not perfect now something I want you to take away today I want you to remember to not only listen to the information but to take action not tomorrow today and as always remember it doesn't have to be perfect but you need to get started please like comment and share and if you want to dig a little deeper find us on instagram too have a good day Good. how have you been good are you at work right now I am yep. awesome so I loved um so just a backstory for everyone that's listening uh we met at a powerhouse summit so a women's event and I love how I think when people talk about money there there's like a weird vibe that starts entering the room mm-hmm. I felt like when you started speaking about it and you told your story and how you got there like there wasn't a weird vibe in the room. Like it felt so natural, just like you were talking to somebody like, I don't know about the weather. Like it was just like this normal thing. And that's what really drew me to you. And I was like, man, I'd really like her to be a guest. So I really appreciate you coming on today. Well, thank you. That's very kind. So Jennifer, do you mind giving everyone, um, just telling them who you are and like your backstory and why you're so passionate about financial, um, advisory?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I currently serve as a financial advisor for a local community bank. I work in our wealth management department and work on individual financial management as well as trust and estate services. Um, My previous career was in human resources. I worked in the nonprofit world for about 10 years um, doing human resources related work. But where this all began is I am a daughter of a financial advisor. So I grew up in the business watching my dad, Um, as a financial advisor, working with clients for decades on their financial plans and just started at a very young age, understanding financial literacy and investing. Um, So that passion has been really a
0: part of my life since I was very young. So did you ever find yourself in a position where you're like, oh, shit, maybe I don't have it all together? (laughs) Yes,
1: um, I would say my early 20s, um, you know, I think you're figuring out who you are and what you want out of life. Um, I tell the story that I I got married young and I, I married the wrong person uh, too young and too soon. And um, I didn't find somebody that shared the same values with me as far as financial um, stability and realized you know, that this wasn't going to work long term, that this was not the path that I wanted to be on. I remember at one point thinking, I'm going to wake up and be 50 years old and I'm still going to be unhappy. I'm still going to be miserable. Um, But the part where finances came into that is I had my own money. I had an education. I had a career. I had my own bank account. I had my own investments. And I had the ability to say, this is not for me anymore. Um, And it was hard. It was hard to pay for a divorce and be a single mom for a while and, um, take care of all of those obligations. But I will say that the foundation that I had as far as, um, having options, having the ability to say, I- I'm going to walk away from this marriage and I'm going to provide for myself, um, gave me a lot of strength, even during a really hard time.
0: Well, I love that because that's something that I preach to after going through a divorce that, (laughs) I mean, divorces are never pretty, right? Like you don't plan for them. But um, after that, I told myself, I was like, okay, like I'm not going to be so naive. And on the flip side of that, because people are like, gosh, you're such a jerk, right? And you're married. What does your husband think? And I'm like, well, now he sees me as like an independent woman, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm a pillar in the house versus just relying on, you know, my partner, which is two very different things. And I think it gives us, you know, it it gives us security and choices and choices make your life better.
1: Absolutely. And I think you attract a different type of partner when you are strong and independent and have really your own thing going on. Um, I, you know, remarried after my divorce. Um, I am married to a wonderful man now who sees me as strong, independent, financially stable. You know, I got my shit together for lack of a better term.
0: <laughs> I <love> um, it.
1: <laughs> and he was like, okay, I'm attracted to that. I, I want to be with somebody that has her own thing going on. Um, I think I learned throughout my twenties that my independence and what is important to me needed to come first before I was a wife, before I was a mother, before I was a daughter. I'm really Jennifer first. And I think when you come into a relationship with that kind of energy, you are seen as a compliment. You are going to partner with somebody. You can add value to their life, but you're not looking for them to complete you in some way or fulfill something that you need to fulfill on your own. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So if someone is, let's say, I call it now is the household CEO, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Yeah. So which is still a very important job. Like there's still shit that needs to be done and you never get a day off. So um, are you familiar, which I'm sure you are, with like a spousal IRA? I am. Yeah, absolutely. Do you mind sharing some information on that? Yeah. You know, I think,
1: you know, for all of those stay-at-home moms out there or, or people that are in a situation where they're not bringing in a regular income, but they're a part of a marriage and part of a relationship, your financial future is just as important as the person that is bringing in a paycheck. You know, I had the opportunity to stay home for about two years um, with my last baby, decided to take a break from the career, um, stayed home and um, enjoyed that time. But it still meant that I was contributing to our family. And my husband likes to refer to me as the, the CFO of the family, not just the <laughs> okay. CEO. Gotcha. Um, so, uh, you know, a spousal IRA is a great option. It allows your um, spouse to contribute to your retirement account um, to benefit you, um, even if you're not working at that time. And I shared this during the powerhouse summit. And I think, I think the room went very quiet when I shared this, but when I was a stay-at-home mom, I received a paycheck. I received a direct deposit every two weeks, just like I was working um, from my husband's employer. That's how he decided he wanted to set it up for us when we made the joint decision for me to stay home because he said, you're still working. You still have a job. Your job is just in the home for a couple of years during this time period, but you need to have autonomy over your your own income, your own spending, your own choices. Um, so I took a paycheck and I, I'm not ashamed or or embarrassed to admit that because I worked really hard at home, taking care of a baby and taking care of our family and taking care of our home. And it allowed his career to really blossom and grow because I had things taken care of on the home front. And so um, I'm a big proponent of having your own accounts, having your own checking account, having your own investment account. Um, You could have a joint account as well. Um, Some people like to do, you know, a joint account and then two personal accounts, um, I just am a really big proponent of having your own money and having your own say, and not really ever having to ask permission. I, I don't know how that really works in a marriage where <laughs> you come to somebody and you're like, oh, can I have a hundred dollars to go to target? Like, I just, I can't fathom that for myself. <laughs> and I don't want as women, I want us to stand in our power and say, no, I'm not going to ask permission. I'm going to, we're going to agree on a budget together. This is a partnership. This is what we've agreed to spend. And then I'm going to have the latitude to spend spend that money
0: yeah it's that's kind of like what happened well we pivoted in our life because I've always been the breadwinner like I enjoy making money I know how to make a lot of money and it's just something that gave me great joy Mm -hmm. But then I had the baby and I was like okay now we're gonna pivot because he's like we tried doing the thing where I worked and he stayed at home and he's like you know what like all jokes aside you're better at it he's like I can't take care of the baby and clean like and cook like I can't I can't do what you do so we switch roles and in that it was hard for me because I was so used to being the you know the CFO saying you can have this much money and this 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 and then Mm -hmm. since the roles changed it it was kind of funny because like you said I didn't want to be in the position where I wanted to be like hey can I go to Target (laughs) so we had yeah so we now personally sharing that we do have our joint account. And that's like for all of our bills. And then we do have our separate accounts. And that does give us a huge amount of freedom to where I feel like a lot of people could potentially argue over money. And that frees mm-hmm. up a lot because both parties know shit's getting taken care of. You can see, right. And then you have your own yep. money so you can go do whatever the fuck you want.
1: <laughs> yep, exactly. And the other thing too, is, you know, you have trust established in your partnership as far as, you know, I trust that you have your own money. I have my own money. You're going to spend on what you're going to spend on. I mean, you need to be in a situation where you're not being disrespectful to your partner um, by the choices that you're making financially. But I also, I don't want to see what you're spending on my Christmas gift or I don't want (laughs) to see what you're spending to buy me flowers or some of those things like, I remember my, my mom shared a story one time when I was a kid and she's like, well, I know what I'm getting for Christmas. Cause I saw the credit card bill at the jeweler and I'm like, "Oh, I just don't know if I love that feeling of <laughs> knowing, first of all, spoil the Christmas gift. Cause you haven't right. even gotten it yet. And you know how much it was, what it cost. Maybe you didn't want to know that. I mean, sometimes there's some things where I'm like a little mystery in the relationship with certain things is good. Like you have to trust your partner enough to know, okay, they're gonna go buy me a Christmas gift. Maybe don't need to know exactly what it costs and have that control, right? Have
0: a little bit of surprise. So speaking of surprise, a lot of people have children. <laughs> yes. So um, I know, like, we set up accounts with the kids early on, but um, there's so much information on TikTok, and I mean, everywhere. Where would be a good place that you would say is trustworthy to talk to someone about opening up accounts for their children to set their future up?
1: Absolutely. So there's a couple of different directions you can go. I mean, if you firmly believe that your children are going to go to college or going to have some kind of Um, education expenses in the future. The 529 accounts are a great option. Um, Here in Colorado, I utilize a program called College Invest. They have a wonderful website. It's very easy to do it yourself. Um, They're an age-based portfolio. So for example, my four-year-old's account is invested much more aggressive than my 14-year-old's account since she's closer to college. Um, And really that college expense, what's nice about it is, for example, I have three children, but if one child decides to not go to school, I can use that account for another sibling. And so there is a little bit of flexibility between the 529 accounts for college expenses. Um, You know, savings accounts. I think we all teach our, we were taught, I guess back when we were 80s and 90s kids, you know, you had a savings account or you had a savings bond. Well, I'm here to tell you that saving is not where our kids are gonna (laughs) get rich. Um, It's in investing. So for adults, we can invest on behalf of our children. And then teach them how to invest when they get to that age. So as soon as they have earned income, whether they're 14 years old, 15, 16, as soon as they have W-2 earned income, open up a Roth IRA, teach them how to invest. Um, You know, whether that's a 50-50 rule where you say, okay, your first paycheck, you know, 50% you can spend, 50% you can invest because I'm still covering your expenses because you live at home um but teaching them to invest in a Roth IRA as soon as possible as early as possible is huge because investing is where wealth is built not saving saving is you know put your money in the bank and get 1 2 3% maybe <laughs> right. investing over the long term is where you're going to really build wealth and um i walk along my, alongside my children as we talk about money you know teaching them what i've experienced um teaching them what worked well for me and when you are learning about personal finance, why not share that, that knowledge with your children? Because it's only going to set them up for a better and brighter future.
0: Yes. So if someone was, had their own business and I see a lot of times, and so I wanted to ask you this question. A lot of people pay their kids so that way they can get that tax write-off, right? A certain amount. But um, how does that affect them going to college if they don't have a college fund set up?
1: So, you know, college funds are are great, but they're not going to be the end-all be-all of how you go to college. Um, I'm not super familiar with the FAFSA just because I did not go through that full process. Mm-hmm. I was really benefited from my, my um, parents paying for my college and saving for that. Um, but we have implemented for our children kind of a three-part rule that we're going to go forward with. So the three-part rule, um, I would like us to pay for a third. I want to contribute to my kids' college. I'm going to use their college account to do so. I would like to pay for a third. I also have an expectation that a third is going to come from scholarships or grants. There are so many underutilized scholarships and grants out there that people just never even apply for. Um, I heard recently that really as a junior or senior in high school, you should have a part-time job essentially of applying for scholarships. You know, five to ten hours a week dedicated to finding scholarships because there are so many out there that are not utilized. And then I think a third needs to come from your kids. There needs to be some skin in the game as far as contributing to their education. I think I would have benefited if I had to pay for some of my education uh, that freshman <laughs> year. I might have uh, taken a little bit more seriously, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but with, with the, the caveat of, if you get all A's, I'll reimburse you for your third. Mm. So you put up the money up front you go through your semester of school, you get straight A's, come back to me, I will give you that third right back, I'll write you a check. Um, If somebody doesn't have a 529 or an investment account set up, you really have to think about how you're gonna cash flow education expenses. Um, I am really not a fan of student loan debt. A couple of reasons for that is oftentimes it's very high interest rates, kids are given more than they actually need and then they're spending student loan money on Things outside of education, <laughs> um, trips, clothing, entertainment. Yeah. So, I'm really not a proponent of um, student loans, but finding a way to cash flow college. So, if you know in two years you've got a tuition payment coming, how are you going to adjust your budget now to start planning for that? Um, I use it as a very similar example. Before I stayed home with my last baby, we practiced for a year on one income. essentially did a practice year of like how is this going to feel to not have my income
0: that's what we're doing next year part of me is like afraid
1: yeah (laughs) I know it it is it's hard to cut back at first but gosh when you have the opportunity to practice on a single income and bank that additional cash huge opportunity I think the same goes into I mean when your kid's 16 you know they're going to be 18 in two years so don't (laughs) act surprised when they turn 18 um Let's practice. That I love let's that. Practice. Don't act surprised. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen. <laughs> right. Um, but you can start practicing what that cash flow can look like if you don't have money set aside but you want to mm-hmm. contribute to your kids' education expenses.
0: So, let's say, okay, we'll use me for example. So, I'm we're going to take my income cuz it's smaller cuz I only work one to two days a week. We're going to put that aside. Where should I put that money? Yeah, so I think, you know, I'm always going to be
1: a a proponent of investing, but I I look at it in three goals. Do you have short-term, mid-term and long-term goals? So anything less than a year, really a short-term, you should have that in a money market fund. Money market right now is paying over 4%. It's a great place to park your funds. That could be a high yield savings account. It can be a money market mutual fund. That is short-term money. That's one year or less money. Then you've got kind of mid-term money and that's one to three, one to four years roughly. Um, I think that's where you could have it invested, but conservatively, um, in a more of a conservative portfolio or maybe a split between money market and part of it's invested anything that's longer than five years, invest that money, low cost index funds. Um, I'm a big proponent of fidelity just because I utilize it myself for my online brokerage account. You can buy low-cost indexed uh, index funds through Vanguard, through Fidelity, through Schwab. There's lots of options out there. Um, anything longer than five years, that's where money needs to be invested. That's where the growth opportunity and potential really
0: can be. You know, it's funny. I so. I talk about money. Like I talk about buying groceries, which is yeah, me too. Well, actually, you know what? I take that back. I, I'm mad at groceries right now. <laughs> Let's talk about like my dogs. Like I, yeah. so I was actually at the salon the other day and I was listening to my client and me. I always want to, if someone is living a life that I find that I would like myself to be in, I ask them like, how the hell did you get here? And so I'm doing her hair and she starts talking about her six Airbnbs, her six rentals. And then I stopped I go, "Uh, what did did I say exactly? So I go, how many streams of income do you have? And the whole salon, I'm not kidding, you stopped. It went silent. And everyone looked at me like I asked her what size underwear she wears. Like they were like, and I was like, you know, I'm just going to keep going with this. And she kind of laughed. And I said, so-and-so, I love what you're telling me. I need to know more. And so she like, literally like, just told me everything, how she got there, what their choices were. And she, same thing. She was married previously. And then after that, she was like, whoa, I need to have some things of my own. And she like unfolded the story. And I thought it was so amazing. But my, my favorite part was she told her husband, hey, I've been working for you for free for so many years. Like I want a paycheck. So he cut her $25,000 for like the last year or two or whatever of working. And so she was like, I'm going to go invest dropped into account, forgot about it. One year later, you know how much she had in it? $300,000. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause her husband That's goes, how, how's your stocks going? She's like, I forgot. I had that. Let me check. And so when she called, she forgot all of her information and they're like, well, how much is in there? Oh. And she said that she put 20 in so that way she could have five to spend on whatever. And she's like 20,000. Mm-hmm. And he's like, mm, let me keep, what's your social What's your, like, kept going through it. Because he's like, it's, it's more than 20. And she's like, well, how much is it? And she lost her mind. And so, I mean, I think it's so important to, like, have these conversations, even among your friends or your friends' moms mm-hmm. or whoever it may be. Because I feel like the more that we speak about it, like, the more that we learn. Because it's kind of scary, right? Like, when you're first learning about, let's just say anything. Like, so Absolutely. it's like, what's the first step? So you work in Colorado. Do you, can you work all over the nation or are you specific to Colorado?
1: Um, our bank here is based just in Colorado, but I work with clients um, all over the country. We specialize in working with high net worth clients that have you know, significant wealth that they've built up and they're looking for really, what does that mean generationally? Am I passing that wealth on to the next generation? What does it mean from a tax planning standpoint? We have a lot of people that are doing charitable giving um, through their investment accounts. And then we also do quite a bit of trust and estate management. That typically is focused in the state of Colorado because every state is going to have different probate and estate rules. Um, I recently had the opportunity to work on a, a trust that there were no children, no heirs. All of the proceeds went to charities here in our local community. Oh, I love it. Uh, and it was wonderful. It's such a rewarding experience to see people that have built up such significant wealth over their lifetime and then they just want to do good they just want to pass that on to their local community that they cared about
0: well and I think the word in there that really sticks out is like cared about right so it's Mm -hmm. like I know for me general generational wealth is important so how can I set my kids up but also like I like how Steve Jobs did it like didn't give him shit though and didn't they didn't really know like how much dad had or whatever that may look like but I mean setting the kids up is so important to me, but I have to care enough now, right. To ask those scary questions, to go in and call people and just kind of lay it all on the table and say, this is where we're at. How do we get here?
1: Absolutely. And you have to start slow or you have to start somewhere. I mean, I didn't wake up one day and have the assets that I had. (laughs) I I started at a young age and Um, I share this game that I've played and some people find it silly. Some people find it maybe too simple, but I started playing this game when I first started a check register. So my dad, when I had to get my allowance, uh, starting when I was young, I had to write a check for it to get my allowance. That's how I learned how to write checks. And then I kept a check register, which I'm old school. I still keep a check register to this day. (laughs) Um, So the way this, this game works is so when I was younger, say I had $250 in my checking account. I didn't really have any bills. I probably wasn't going to get paid from my job at the mall until the following Friday. I would take $50 and invest it and bring my checking register down to $200 even. It was always a hundred dollars, even whether it was 200 or 300 or 400. And I would invest every single week. I've done this now for 22 years. Wow. Every single week I've brought my check register down to a zero. Sometimes it's, $2,000. Sometimes it's $200. It depends on what stage of life I was in. Yeah. Um, there was a time in my life when, you know, I was bringing it down to the bare bones when I was, you know, going through a divorce and a single mother, but every single week I've been consistent and I've done, it's been less than a hundred dollars. Cause again, I'm only trying to get down to that even zero mark. But the consistency and the practice, it's like a muscle. Saving and investing is like a muscle. The more you use it, the easier it becomes, the stronger it gets. It becomes second nature to me. I can't imagine not now doing my check register game every single week.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. So if someone is just like, man, I have no idea where to start or when would be a good time to talk to a professional?
1: Absolutely. So I would say we need to be students for our entire lives. We're always learning. So learning about finances is, is no different than learning a new school, skill at your job, learning a new skill in school. Um, I would challenge everybody to take just 15 minutes a day, find a podcast, find an article to read, find a book about personal finance, start small 15 minutes a day and study. Um, When it's time to really meet with a financial advisor and get some guidance is when you start to have a little bit more of a complex situation. You have investments, you have a retirement account, you maybe have a house, you maybe have life insurance that's coming into play. Um, There are financial advisors out there that work either for a flat fee or are charged on a percentage of the assets that they manage for you. I would be really leery of working with anybody that works on commission because they are going to be incentivized to themselves potentially more than to you. Um, I like to say in this industry, we all get paid. We just get paid different. So for example, (laughs) with my clients, um, it's a flat fee, no matter if I talk to them twice a year, 20 times a year, whatever, it's always a flat fee and it's always transparent, which I think is important. Um, so know how your financial advisor is getting paid and ask questions. Just be curious, ask questions, um, in your network. I love how you shared that story about asking that woman how she got to where <laughs> she, she got, um, I think we need to be more open with our fellow, you know, our network, our colleagues, our family, our friends of saying, what are you doing and what's working? Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me what you've done in the last year. That's really worked well for you. I want to learn from you, um, surround yourself with people that are making good financial choices and.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, that's good- That's a huge one. Say say that again, but slower.
1: (laughs) Yes. Surround yourself. Surround yourself that really inspire you and and are making good financial choices and um, setting themselves up for future financial success. I mean, we are the company we keep. So if you are surrounding yourself with people that are neck deep in credit card debt and have nothing saved for retirement and have no clue how to budget, that will rub off on you if you surround yourself with people that are investing and talking about what stocks they're picking this week and what investment deals they're working on and how they're setting up their, their family for financial success, those are people you want to be around.
0: Yes for sure so I definitely there's like a group of four of us that live in Newcastle and we'll meet and we celebrate wins like that and we share like okay this is what we're doing and this is what's working this it's not working and then because I think celebrating the wins and sharing them is so important or we kind of get in this like loop of like well yeah I had to do it and then then it's not fun anymore but I mean setting ourselves up should be super fun may feel like shit at first (laughs) but (laughs) Yeah. You
1: know, I, I think it's sometimes hard to say no to right now to say yes to later. I get that. That's not always a comfortable position to be in, but I always think to myself, do something now that your future self will thank you for.
0: You know, what helped me is I was newly divorced and just like rebuilding everything. And I took this classroom. Who was it? Sally Crenshaw. Do you remember her from like, Oh yeah. I forgot her. Her class was called, um, buy the $5 coffee. And the yeah, first yeah. thing she said when she walked up, she's like, if $5 a day is ruining your finances, that's not the yeah. fucking problem. And I was like, exactly. Oh. Cuz I was pinching so much, right? But what she said to do that I do now is that like so we have different savings accounts and we've named them. So I have future I have future Christine and I have like vacation Christine. And so it's so much easier to put the money in there like seeing what it is. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if someone like just has a regular savings account, go into your bank app. You can change the name, change it to Vacation Christine or Vacation Jennifer, and you're going to want to pour money in there.
1: (laughs) Exactly. You're giving those dollars a name. You're giving those dollars a purpose. And I think that's why budgeting is important because you are deciding what you want to spend your money on. I don't think budgets need to be restrictive. I look at my budget and there's plenty of room for the coffees and the spa appointments and the shopping, all the things that I love, but it has a name and it's decided upon. And I'm being intentional about it. When you are intentional about your spending and when you actually know where your money's going, you are in control versus the money being in control of you.
0: Well, and I feel like emotions too, like, cause I save money aside because I love Doc Martens. I'm sorry, but every pair is at least $200. (laughs) But when I have, you know, hundreds of dollars in there, sometimes I'm like, you know, I actually just wanted those Doc Martens in the moment. And even though the money's there, like the, that high from my emotion isn't there. So I don't even want it right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is a really good one, Christine, as far as, you know, we are bombarded with ads. If I go on Instagram, for example, I am given an ad every third or fourth post of what to buy. And sometimes we do it. Yeah.
0: It knows you. It knows Jennifer
1: so well. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, I do like that. I do think that would be lovely (laughs) to have. And it's so easy to just click buy now. And it's instantaneous. Our credit card is saved. and, And two days later, something shows up on your doorstep. And I have really taken a pause. And there's that little save button on all the posts on Instagram, for example. Just hit save. Come back to it tomorrow. See if you feel the same way about it. Are you just as excited about that item as you were at 10 o'clock at night when you were scrolling through Instagram? Probably not. Um, So I'm not saying that it should be a no all the time, but I think it should be a pause. Like just take a breath. Do you really want that item? Do you really want that thing? Um, Is that something that you would really find value in and enjoy or was it a very impulsive purchase that two weeks from now you're gonna be like, why did I get
0: that? So even what I do is I have a big dry erase board in the kitchen. It has like the calendar, like things I need to do, Mm -hmm. but it has this note section. And every time I'm like, I want to go on Amazon and just buy something for the kitchen. Actually, I write it down. And for two reasons, one, I come back to it and I decide, is this going to add more clutter and make me upset? Or when it's like Christmas Mm -hmm. or my birthday or something like that, that's, those are like little gifts from the family that I know that's in their budget and that they could gift. They feel good. I feel good, but it's not something that I need, you know, but I mean, I love that pause.
1: Yeah. And really, you know, when I, I've had the opportunity to teach financial literacy in, in the elementary school here, and we talk a lot about needs versus wants because we're growing up in this world where I think needs and wants that line has become very blurred Um, And so what you think is a need really probably is a want and really deciphering between the two. And when you get really clear about what you need and then very, very clear about this is a want and this is an extra and this is a bonus and this is, you know, something above and beyond what I actually need, it, it really clarifies your financial decisions.
0: Yeah, I actually went through and I did this exercise, which I do a lot of like what I want my dream life to look like. But then I was reading this book. And so what they said, okay, let's go a step further. And let's, let's price everything out. Like, what does your dream life cost? And Mm -hmm. it was $10,000 a month. And I was like, that's nothing. Right. So I'm like, okay, how can I set myself up for that? Because I want someone to cook dinner five nights a week. Like to me, that's so important. (laughs) My husband's like, we're going to be the only middle-class family. That's going to have like a cook and a cleaner and all this shit. But I'm like, yeah, but if we set it up, we can afford it. <laughs> you know yep. what I mean? Getting rid of those like wants versus needs. Cause to me, a need is spending time with my family mm-hmm. and cooking and cleaning. I'm sorry. That takes hours. Let's just, let's let someone else thrive. They're going to make money. You're going to be supporting them. Like it's going to be yep. a woman because I support women. Like, you know what I mean? Like our life can be so beautiful and colorful. And I think we're so worthy of it, but setting ourselves up is the only way we're going to get to where we want to be.
1: Yeah, and I also think making sure that your, your spending choices and your financial choices align with your values. So if you look back on, let's take, you know, October, take your October bank statement and your credit card statement and take a look at it and go, does this, is this what I value? What did you spend money on? Did you spend money on eating out? Cause you went out with girlfriends every single weekend and you value that great did you spend money on eating out, but you really didn't want to, because you value cooking at home, but you somehow don't have time for that because of something else that's going on in your life. I mean, really assess. I want to spend money on the things that are important to me. Um, and that is going to be different from everybody else in my circle, but it's important to me. So let's make sure that my finances align with that.
0: I love it. Okay, so I'm going to launch yours probably next week because I think everyone needs to know this. And January 1st is a great time to start with your (laughs) finances. So it is. what is one thing you would tell someone after listening to this one thing to move the needle that they should start with, no matter where they are financially?
1: I would say you need to dig into your data. It's really hard to make changes if you don't know what you're already doing. So either find an app that you can start tracking your spending with Get a good old fashioned notepad, spreadsheet, whatever it needs to be. You need to dig into your data and figure out what is actually real, what is the real money you're bringing in, what is the real money that you're spending? Um, you may think you spend $100 dollars a month on something, but maybe it's 250. I mean those kind of decisions and those kind of awareness points. Once you have data in front of you, actual real numbers, then you can move the needle. and you can say, I can adjust here. I can adjust here. Um, I can, you know, increase my savings. I can increase my 401k contribution, whatever your goals are. You can do that. If you actually know what you're spending your money on. And I would say most people have no idea, just no idea. The money comes in, the money goes out. It just becomes very passive. There's not a lot of awareness around it. Um, give yourself 10 minutes a day to start small and and find out wh- where is my income? Where are my expenses? And what do I want to change for 2023?
0: I love it. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much. Your information, I felt it just, it's like girlfriends talking, like it's not scary. Yes. <laughs> and that's yes. my favorite thing. Time. I appreciate it. And I'm excited for 2023 and everyone who listened to this, that they can just move that needle forward just a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Christine. This was this is a great time and wishing everyone a very happy
0: 2023. All right. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hey guys, do you know someone who has a story or maybe a professional, some life advice to share? I want you to send them our way. We wanna get to know them too. Now, personally, I have not ask for you. I want to help grow our audience. Now, a way that we can do that, you can spread the word by texting this episode to someone who needs to hear it, share the link to one of your social pages and tag us. Or at the very least, press the like button Comment under the episode and or subscribe to our podcast.